Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seek, Go, Create podcast. This is Tim Winders, your host. I just want to say thank you for listening in and downloading and streaming. I just want to continue thanking all of you that are commenting, sharing, and rating. It means so much to me. It means so much to our team. It's helping people discover us and hear what we're having to share with people. And I just want to to say thank you before we get started here. And I, I do, I say this, I think it, at the beginning of every interview I, I do, but I am so excited about the guest that I have on the episode today. In the early 2000s, while we were growing our coaching business, we were learning from some titans, and I literally mean titans in the information marketing industry, Dan Kennedy, Bill Glazer, and all the business people that they pulled together in masterminds and conferences and their events. And one of the things that I, I have as a guest today, everyone, I believe everyone knows this, that's been in business or run an organization or minister or, or anything like that. They know that almost all successful businesses, there's this person that seems to actually run most of the business, sometimes behind the scenes. And Sherry Sokolowski that is our guest today. She is the one that always seemed like that person to me. I think she first started with Bill Glazer as I think her title might have been executive assistant. But to me, and I I just so enjoyed being around her, the presence she brought, she was just always running operations, moved on to run all the events and so much more. And she is our guest today. Years later, today, she now runs her own company. She does events. And I'm talking large events. We'll get into that today. And she does consulting for people that run live events. And so I am excited to have Sherry Sokolowski on the Seek, Go, Create podcast. Welcome, Sherry. Thanks, Tim. It's so, I'm very excited to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, excited. Now, I always give people intros and you have so many accolades and things like that, but why don't you just do this? I like to start off, give us your elevator pitch. What do you do? Well, uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the coffin there when it talked about how I do events for people and consulting. I I like to always say came back from the years of working with Bill. Uh, When I worked with Bill as his executive assistant and his event planner, and as you know, being part of his mastermind group, being in all of those meetings, I was able to learn so much during that time. So Bill always treated that position as an apprentice position. So anything I wanted to learn he would teach me or find someone that could teach me, uh, such as events. He had hired an event planner back then to teach me. So I learned while I was on the job and created it to be my own. We had our own internal team. So I was able to learn from A to Z what it took to put a successful event together because they did so many every year. And then when I went out on my own in 2012, a lot of the GKSC followers, as I like to call them, sought me out and said, same as you, you know, Sherry, I saw how, how well you did for Bill. Can you do the same for me? And it didn't matter if they had not done an event before. It actually made me feel better about it because that, that was the excitement part for me, you know, being able to sit down with someone and take their vision and their goal of a live event and learn how to put it together properly from the very beginning before you even seek a venue or start reaching out to your list. What do you need to think about first? So that's pretty much where my niche is within the event planning industry is working with people and taking their live events and creating them to be successful, not just the one time, but carrying over into their business as well. Mm, Excellent. So 
there's so many directions I'd like to go here because I, I know you and I know you're a, 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 an incredible woman running a business and, and you have a family and things like that. But I think I'd like to start probably more than anyone else. You have probably seen conferences, events for now going on 15 plus plus years. Can mm -hmm. you just, and listen, I know, I know our audience, we have people that probably attend events we have probably people that run either businesses or maybe they run a ministry that they host small, maybe larger events. But then Sherry, I also want to be aware we have probably a lot of people that maybe they haven't been to an event and, and things like that. So we've got a pretty wide range of people listening in, but I would love to tap into your knowledge and have you talk about for a few minutes trends that you're seeing. Uh, what you're seeing with events, you know, years ago, we thought social media and online meetings was going to take over and we would never meet face to face again. I'm assuming that's mm -hmm. incorrect. Tell us about what's what you see from the seat that you're in. Uh, well, that's a great question. Uh, and I want to talk just for a moment about virtual events. So, you know, like you said, you know, we all thought there for a little while virtual events would take over a live event. And if you really, really want to get your message across and build, I mean, for those of your listeners that haven't been to an event before or not really sure what this is all about, a live event is an opportunity for people who want to know you, the host or the promoter more um, personally or what you have to offer that could help them either in their business or their personal life, then the best way to do it is to come together live with like-minded people in the room. It's just like when we go to church, you know, we go to church because we want to be with our fellow brothers and sisters. So when you go to a live event, you're there to be in front of other people seeking out the same thing. So that trend really hasn't changed much from way back in the day when you and I first met. Yeah. Live events was the place to go to meet these people and to see what they're doing and not just to learn from the people from stage, but to learn from the others that is around them as well. What did you get from that? Oh, I didn't know that. What do you do for a living? Well, this is what I do. And then you just make that connection and become lifelong friends or a lifelong associates that can help one another in their businesses. The trends that I'm seeing that have changed over the years is how they use live events. So live events back in our day, GKSC days, it was if you wanted to learn more about your business or what's happening in the in industry, then I'm going to register and I'm going to come to this event. And it was more about what I could get out of that event at that time. The trends that I've noticed over the years is people, smart business people taking that opportunity to build their tribe the tribe, we like to use the term of their herd, their following, the people that want to know more and be connected as a family, and utilize that opportunity to build the tribe, to build their list, and to continue learning from them. So it could be something that they've bought from that person themselves. So let's say, Tim, you're putting on an event and people have bought a particular program or service from you, then you're going to have an event that can invite those people to it. And they're going to continue to learn more from you. So they use this as the next step in their business. So live events trend that I see work well is it's sort of a growth marketing opportunity for your own business. Yeah, that's, and what's interesting about it, you know, we're in a, we're in a time where social media seems to be consuming and 
I use the term sucking all the air out of the room and society. And I was even having a discussion with my son the other night and we were talking about pros and cons about social media. He's a, he's a pro photographer and also engineer for this podcast and very talented. And he was kind of saying, you know, I like certain things. I don't like certain things. What I just heard you say, and maybe you can expand on it. It's like, we're getting more technology. We're getting more connected from social media, but it's also creating more of a craving for people to meet face to face. Is that? <laughs> yes, it's it, oddly enough. And people do use social media within the live event itself. Um, they'll, they'll create contest or what have you of, you know, if you have a hashtag, let's take some photos of you being together, but it's, it's always about people being together. You know, it's an opportunity for that, uh, at least in the industry I'm in, you know, in the entrepreneurial industry, people are there because they want to be around others like them. Uh, when it's in a corporate or, you know, a, a, a B2B or they have to go for licensing and all this other kind of stuff, it's slightly different, you know, um, it's still the connection, you know, it's that live connection, but I, and that's really what I love about one of the main things that I love about going to live events and helping are the people. Yeah. Uh, you know that I, I think back to the times when we were doing the masterminds and the conferences and yes, I love getting the information. Don't get me wrong. But mm -hmm. my primary reason for going was the energy and just being around people and, and just getting to love up on people and hopefully letting people love up on you and things like that. And right. very, very interesting. Well, we'll, as we, I kind of want to go back a little bit and maybe get more of your story and background and things like that. We will towards the tail end of the podcast, get into maybe get you give us some tips and things that people need to think about if people that are, they're moving towards having events and uh, just maybe some general tips and maybe also some more specific teaching and training. But I, I want to go back to, I want to go back to those times and gosh, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound old when we start saying, I remember when, but it's going to make, make me sound old. You weren't, you were such a child when we first started <laughs> doing business, then. but we're maturing, right? We're getting mature. Right. Um, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Glazer, Glazer Kennedy world. I know a lot of the, the listeners that we have, they, they have some history with that. Some people may not know what it is. Dan, Dan Kennedy's probably one of the foremost marketing minds that that we have known in our society and in our world and he and bill glazer teamed up to work on so many things together and they had trainings conferences masterminds which i participated in it was such a blessing for us as we were building our coaching and building our businesses and things like that how did you get started in the role you were with how did you stumble into that world that's a great question uh through my personal career over the years, I've always been an executive assistant since I was probably 19, 20 years old. It's, that's kind of where I started leading my direction. My mom always said, you know, learn how to type, be in an office, that's going to get you a career. So I did all of that when I was in high school, the FBLA and all of that, where I did the typing contest, learning the computers. So I, I had just sought all of that through the years and I just kept running into, I don't know if this is the right term or what, but the glass ceiling, right? I'd 
get a great job, I'd be an executive assistant, or I'd be an office assistant and work my way up to an executive assistant. And like, what's next? So every time I would find a position, I would just continue to work, work, work to a part where it's like, okay, either I'm going to be this or I got to go elsewhere. Most of the time, I didn't like where I got to be this as the next option. And I was just continually going through this. And it so happened, I had put my, I had a job, but I had, was not happy. And I put my name out there and in the staffing agencies and such. And I was out and about with my mom and my aunt and doing our yearly visit the grave site things on Good Friday. It was a good Friday. Um, and I got a phone call. And the phone call was, if you can come today, and now mind you, I was two hours away from where this was going to take place. If you can come today, Bill Glazer is really interested in speaking to you about being his executive assistant. He's never had one before. He knows he needs one. And we think you're a great uh, candidate for this. I said, okay. Now, mind you, I was in jeans and a sweatshirt. <laughs> and, and, like, and at a cemetery. So your route went through the cemetery. Is that what I'm hearing you say? <laughs> yes, we were at a cemetery visiting grave sites with my family because we did it every holiday back then. And I was like, okay, what do I do? So I was with my mom, my aunt, my grandmother, my aunt lived nearby. She said, look, my, now my aunt was 30, gosh, how old? Probably 40 years older than me, 30, 40 years older than me. And I said, she's like, if you come to my house, I'll get you some business clothes. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. And now mind you, I told them this and they said, well, Bill doesn't mind you coming in in jeans and a sweatshirt knowing what day it is. I'm like, I can't do that. So I went and I'm walking in to this interview in my aunt's business clothes that were a little bit too big for me into this interview. My mom is sitting out in the car waiting for me. Now the interview was four hours long. Not everybody knows this four hours long. He took the time with me, and I felt so bad for my mom, took the time with me to just ask me, instead of having me come back for a second interview, he, he's like, I just want to get it all done today, if you're okay with that, because I really need someone right away. I'm like, okay. So we did this four-hour interview, which was questions, meeting with a couple of other people in the office. I had to take this um, test for personality, you know, all this kind of stuff that you go through for interviews. And and we were done and I left. It was almost dark out. And my mom was like, what happened? Are you hired? What's going on? And I said, I don't know. Hope so. You know, I'm really interested in the position because during that time, like I said earlier, he said to me, I've never had an, an executive assistant before. I know I need one. This is an apprentice position. And that was a light bulb for me because, as I said, every career I was in, every job I was in, I just kept hitting that ceiling. I want it more. I want it more. And I thought this is the perfect thing for me. Uh, and mind you, back then, he was in a smaller office. He had, I think, four other, four or five max other staff there. And that was it. He had one small office open, and that was where I was going to sit. And that's where all their filing cabinets were, and I had a small desk. Was this in Baltimore? Was this out of Baltimore? This was in Towson, Maryland, yes. Um, so, you know, a, a day or two later, I got an offer from him. And uh, he actually said at the time, now mind you, at this point in my life, I was in a uh, job working for uh, a nonprofit company. Uh, I really loved the people that I worked with. But again, I was at a point where uh, if I was going to move on, 
I had to convert to Catholic, to be a Catholic if I wanted to become a higher level or go into HR. And I'm like, I don't want to do either one of those. Now, mind you, we'll talk about my testimony in, in a minute. I wasn't a Christian yet either, um, but I knew I wasn't Catholic. <laughs> I was Baptist. So I'm like, okay, this is not a choice for me. And so, they knew so, I was. So wait, let me make sure I understand. You, you didn't know what you believed, but you knew you didn't believe that. Is that <laughs> correct? Correct. Correct. So, yeah. So uh, I was like not happy during that time. And I got this job offer and put in my uh, two weeks notice and they were very excited for me and congratulated me. And when, uh, before I started with Bill, this is another interesting story. He said, I would like to fly you out to Chicago to see and be part of our super conference. So this was a super conference right before I started in 2005. And when I got there, the very interesting part of this is I just jumped right into registration and then I went into the room to hear Bill speak. Now, mind you, I had never been the kind of person that was uh, fearful of who I worked for or, you know, someone who worried about am I going to impress that person? I was just always a hard worker. That was, uh, I was very fortunate in that regard. So I, I wasn't intimidated very easily. And I have to tell you that because when I sat down and I watched Bill do his thing on stage, uh, Tim, I know you've been to his events before. Where I, I was at that, I was at that event, Sherry. And, and what were there? 3000 in the, how many were in the audience? What do you think? I can't well, At that one, it was the, the first super conference that I had seen, it was in 2005. I don't think there, there definitely wasn't thousand people in there. It was probably around three or 400 because okay. it was, I don't know if it was their first or second super conference, yes. but uh, you know, so I'm sitting in there and this is the one presentation where he went through, he was using overheads, right? So he was going through copy and all that. And then he had people standing up asking questions. They'd ask a question and he had immediately give an answer. Another person come up and ask a completely different question, immediately gave an answer. And this just kept happening for an hour. And I'm standing, I'm, well, not standing, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this man that just hired me to work for him. And I thought to myself, wow, he's brilliant. Mm. He is humble in the same regard, which is very hard to find nowadays. Very pleasant, very approachable. People love him. I'm so glad I interviewed him, interviewed with him before I did this, because I'd be a little bit intimidated right now, you know? So, so that's how it started. And after I started working as his executive assistant, uh, very quickly within a year's time, he had um, another event planner doing their events, but he realized he needed to bring it internally. And then he hired uh, another person, Barry Baumgartner of Sage back then to her intent, she knew she was there to train me. And so she trained me how to do it, how to negotiate with hotels. And then once I started getting into it, I created, developed it into my own little system. And from there, um, that's kind of how things took off with the event planning part of it. Wow. That's, that's exciting. I don't think I've heard, in fact, I know I haven't heard that story. I'm, thank you for sharing that. I, I gosh, there's so many things I would love to ask you about your time in that environment, but uh, you know, we don't have three hours, so I want to keep us moving along. I do want to ask this though. You spent time 
around what I consider, you probably consider it the same way, not just Bill, but Dan and others, some of the most, the smartest, most driven, I would say brilliant, but brilliant doesn't really capture it. Sometimes they were just driven. Sometimes they were just people that could get things done. And, and there were just a lot of people you're around. You would sit in on the mastermind events. You would sit in on the conferences. What are some lessons that you took from that? And I'm obviously not talking about just meetings or events or things like that. Share with it. Tell some people some things that you took away from those years that you were around those people, which are phenomenal. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think the biggest lesson that I could take away from it is to not give up. Uh, you know, it being in there, I remember my first mastermind meeting that I went into and uh, I'm listening to these people talk and it was like a foreign language to me. You know, now remind you, I came from the corporate world and the nonprofit world where it was just textbook, right? Everything you did was just textbook, every rinse and repeat. And these people are talking about info marketing and how to create this and to do that and take what's in your head and make it a product and all that. I'm like, what are these people talking about? And at first I'm like, did I, am I, am I supposed to be here? You know? So I just focused at that time when I was overwhelmed with the information, I just focused on what I knew I needed to do and what I knew I could do. And that was the EA part, the executive assistant part. But I continued to listen and I would hear people like Ryan Dice and Russell Brunson, the big gurus of today, back then, as they were building and learning, talking about their struggles, talking about what they need help on. And not only the, the really cool and unique thing about the entrepreneurial world is everybody wants to help everybody else. So even though it was Bill's mastermind and he kind of oversaw it and led everyone through the process, Everyone else in the room would say, well, Ryan, have you tried that? Or, you know, Russell, how about this? Or Sherman, what do you think about that? You know, and it was always about being, and it was, it was so cute because Ryan was always the hugger. And he would come up and give everyone a hug that needed it. He still does it to this day. I see him on stage sometimes, and it's so funny. And so he was always the hugger. So if someone was up on a, the front of the room in a mastermind struggling and being felt like they needed a hug, he'd come up and give it to them, regardless if they wanted it or not. So the great part about it all was accountability. Hmm. That's, that's the thing that I sort of miss as a solopreneur is the accountability. You know, it's funny when I worked for Bill, I would – get in early and I was the last one to leave almost every day because I knew he was counting on me. Whereas when I'm working for myself, who, who do I have to report to myself? You know, so it's, it's a big difference. So when the lesson learned is don't give up. If you don't have that drive, it's because you're not chasing the right dream. So make sure that you're chasing the right dream that is in alignment with your values. And if you've got that, then the drive is going to come. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And, and, you know, I, what you just mentioned about accountability and, and as entrepreneurs kind of own our own business, it can kind of be lonely. That's the value of that mastermind 
And you know what? It's sometimes hard to recreate that. That's one of the things that that whole environment that you were in, they did so well. I, I ran them myself. I participated in them. I loved, kind of like you talked about, I loved helping other people in their business as much if not more than working on my own business. You know, it's just part of why I'm a coach now, I guess. I just, I love working and pulling out the greatness from other people, if at all possible. So anyway, well, thank you for sharing that. That, that, I think that's valuable to people and just talking about accountability and having a network and people in place there. That's, that's just really cool. I want to, I want to back up a little bit. Where, where, where did you grow up? Where, where are you from originally? I grew up in Baltimore City, Maryland. Ah, so you are from that Maryland yeah. area. All right, tell tell us. Yeah. I want to back up now and learn a little bit more about your family and background and things, but what, what are some of the best things about where you grew up and what are some of the things that you kind of go, you know, that wasn't as exciting. Now, we know that sometimes that's just part of who we are, but maybe you still look back on it and go, yeah, I didn't really care for that. So best thing and maybe not so exciting thing. <laughs> the best thing of my childhood was growing up in the 80s. You know, I, I, I grew up in the 80s where everybody just, you know, we didn't have the pressures as the kids have these past couple of decades that they've had to face. Uh, you know, yeah, of course, there were things going on in high school that shouldn't have been, but, you know, that has always been the case. But there, the peer pressure wasn't there. You know, you, the friends were, were all over the place. You could go outside and run. And, and, and I had very strict parents. I was the only child between my mom and dad. And I was, they were very, very strict with me. But I was still able to go out and go, you know, probably half a mile or a mile away from home and play because they knew I was safe. So, so that's what I really loved. And I, I wish that for my daughter. And I, you know, that's what I miss. I think the, the bad thing, there really wasn't a bad thing other than I just didn't have the relationship with my dad that I had hoped I would have. Um, you know, I was very close with my mom, but my dad, not so much, but they did instill in me a lot of rules that none of us really like when we were a kid, but we can appreciate it as we get older. Uh, so, so that was enjoyment for me growing up during that time. Yeah, it's like I, I was, I'm confident that I'm older than you, but 80s were a time of college and things like that. And we had, it was, there are people listening in that are going to say, oh my gosh, these people, but we didn't have the internet. then. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we, we didn't have the internet. So we did a lot of things. I've told my children this. We did a lot of things that we are not proud of. Fortunately, very few people knew about it. Right. It wasn't you probably didn't know. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have put you in that category. You <laughs> probably did great things and all that. I did things. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were all kids once. <laughs> so, so, so fast forward. I, I know I, I, we're connected on Facebook and social media and, and I see great pictures of you and your family and things like that. I also know you're a woman of faith running a business. Um, obviously, you mentioned earlier, so I could say this, you were not a Catholic and didn't really have a connection to a higher authority, I guess, <laughs> at that time. So, so tell us that story. When did that happen? And, and what has that meant to you as you continue to, to grow and build your company and business and family? Uh, that's a great question, and I'd love to share it. Uh, 
I, when I was a child, at some point early on, I said to my grandmother, let's go to church. And she, of course, lit up with that. I don't know where it came from, but I would think it was like nine. And I'd go to church with her every Sunday. Uh, we went to a Baptist church, and I got uh, baptized and everything with her. But I didn't really know what all that meant. And, you know, of course, I lived my life, continued to live my life. Um, I got gotten married. I think when you and I knew each other, I was a uh, former for my first marriage, and I was married before. Uh, and unfortunately, well, fortunately for my family now, that ended. And I was divorced for a couple of years and using that time to figure out who I was. And what I wanted to do with my life. I was still working with Bill and I was figuring out why I know I wanted to do more with my life. And I started doing some other things. And then um, my husband now was our UPS driver. And yeah, so he would always come into the office and all, and I never paid him any attention. And all the girls would come running out every time he would be here and like, oh, here, here he is, blah, blah, blah. And apparently he was interested in me and I wasn't interested in him at the time. I wasn't about dating. You know, I was like, I'm done for a while. So our receptionist at GKIC kind of connected the two of us uh, and we started dating. And it, it was, I would say it was definitely a divine intervention with that of how we met. Um, my husband, Kyle, has been a man of faith all of his life. Uh, and very devoted to the Lord, and his mom was the same way for a long time. And after several months, uh, well, several weeks, not months, it happened very quickly. After several weeks, uh, his family came into town, and uh, it was a quick funny story of that. He said, I'm not going to be able to go out with you this weekend because my mom and stepdad are in town. I'm like, okay, no problem. I mean, we were casually dating, didn't matter. And he kept calling me. My mom was like, I, was, I lived it with my mom during that time because I was divorced. And he, she said, what is up with this guy? Uh, is he stalking you? What's going on? I thought you said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. So he invited me to, out to dinner with them all. And she's like, uh-oh. My mom's like, uh-oh, what's going on here? So I went out to dinner with them and uh, very, very nice people. And a funny story that I found out afterwards was uh, his stepdad at the time said after I left, she's the one. Uh, yes. So, and Kyle had told me from the very beginning of us dating, once we started to kind of get serious, he's like, I'm actually looking for a wife. And I said, I'm not looking for a husband. <laughs> so I don't know what you want to do here, but I'm not looking for a husband. And he felt in his heart that I was the one that so he could just continue to pursue. So and, hold uh, on one second. I want to, I want to make sure I've got this. He's, he's yeah. a man in a brown uniform. One of his first things out of his mouth is, I'm not looking to date. I want a wife. And one of y'all's first dates was meet the family. Am I hearing? <laughs> is that correct? Pretty much. It was probably our third or fourth date. But yeah, you got it. Yep. You're yeah, right. God, God has to have his hand in that type of get started relationship, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it was, it was none other like any other relationships or dating I have ever had before. Now, mind you, the first marriage, I was married for over 10 years. So I got married very young and I hadn't been in the dating scene for a long time. So, you know, fast forward pretty quickly, uh, he was ready to say, I want you to be my wife. And we started dating in October of 2009. And uh, as we were dating and such, I could feel my life changing. 
so um, I didn't know what it was, and I would go to church with them every week, uh, and I'd, what's this all about? What's this going on? You know, because I was starting, I was a much more mature person then, and then he led me to Christ. So my husband, who is my boyfriend at the time, is the one that led me to Christ, and funny story is shortly after that happened, we had an info summit with GKC, and uh, I knew I was a changed woman. And I'm walking around doing my thing. And so many people came up to me and they said, Sherry, you're glowing. What's going on? Are you in love? We know you got a new boyfriend. And I said, yes, I'm in love with Christ. And so many people, a lot of people didn't understand that, but some did. And uh, I remember, do you remember Howard Anderson and his wife? Yes, I believe I remember. Yeah. Yes. And he and his wife, I don't remember, I think her name was Elizabeth. They kept coming up to me over and over and they're like, man, you're glowing. And, and they, they, they understood what I meant. And everything about, well, not everything, because it takes time for you to, to change, for your old self to die. But while I was there, I have realized so many of my old ways wasn't acceptable anymore. And, uh, you know, I was always pleasant and polite and held every, you know, was patient and calm and everything about what I did. But back in the old days, when the event was over, GKIC social time began, right? So I don't have to go into detail about what that meant, but I no longer wanted to be part of that. I was a little bit just so that I could be around and say hi, but then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm off. And that continued to progress year after year after year of how different I was. And it, I couldn't take any of the credit for it. So it, it's really fascinating to stand back now and look at what, how things have changed of what Christ can do for you. And if you allow him into your heart, how much he'll change you as a person and you become more life, more Christ-like in your life. Yeah. So an interesting question for you. I, I grew up, let me say, I didn't grow up in a Baptist church environment, but similar to you, I, I went through the doors of a Baptist church from time to time, and I actually went down front and, and was what we would call saved, but I actually followed two girls down front, so I don't, I, my joke is I don't think it took, but I don't think I took it is what really, um, some listening to this and, you know, some that may not understand what we're talking about may not understand the difference between that childhood experience. I'll, I'll say childhood. I don't know how young you were. And then, mm -hmm. and then what you just described, can you, can you maybe just give just a little bit of the difference between the two? Yeah, I guess speaking from my own personal uh, difference is I had peace. Whereas when I was a child and I would, it was more of something that I felt like I needed to do. Um, I honestly didn't know why or, you know, what was the reason before it, but my mom would drop me off in front of my grandmother's every Sunday morning, the bus would pick us up and we'd go to church or she would take us to church. And I just knew it was something that, and I don't know if I wanted to do it because I love my grandmother and I wanted to do something with her, but I never had that peace. So whenever I, you know, had troubles in my life, I would pray to God and I would say, God, help me through this. And I know he was there for me because of the life 
that I had. Um, he had protected me through so much, but I didn't have the relationship with Christ. And I think that's where, um, you know, so much of society thinks that just because they love God and they pray to God, that everything is all well and good. Well, there's only one way to get to heaven. You have to accept Christ as your savior. And he is the one that brings you to heaven. You don't bring yourself. And I think for me, that's the difference. When, when I had, um, said the Lord's prayer with my husband and started accepting Christ as my savior, we were going to this new church and we were watching some baptisms happening. And there was a, a young woman, um, definitely not as old as me, but had the same kind of story as I did. She told her story of how when she was younger with her family, because that was what families did, they'd go to church together and they got baptized. She had gotten baptized young, but she never really followed Christ. And she she knew something had to change, and so that's why she's re-giving her life to Christ and got baptized. And I'm like, that's what I got to do. I immediately said, that's what I got to do. And the really cool thing about that, uh, in addition to the fact that I gave my life to Christ, is my stepdad, because my mother-in-law and my stepdad-in-law, I guess you could say my step or father-in-law, he's the one that did it. So our pastor allowed him to be the one to baptize me. And uh, I, it's, it's so, like, again, so many people could see, physically see the peace. And uh, they were like, I want what you have. And the part that I think as Christians that we need to remember is we're sometimes the only light that other people see. And if we let that go out, it's terrible because we're being selfish with that light. And that for me is something that I have to kind of reality check once in a while, because I know I'm not always where I was before when I first fell in love with Christ. I don't have that light and that peace 24 seven, like I did when I was first accepting him. And if I don't have that, others can't see it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, this kind of brings up a great question. I had three questions in my mind. I want to try to stay focused if I can. We're in the business world. A lot of people listening in are in the business world. Money's changing hands. We're not against money. We don't hate money. You know, we're good. We love organizations. You know, even so much you mentioned earlier, you know, people would have social time and I, and I know what you meant by that. There was a lot of drinking going on, a lot of other things going on that just didn't fit well. That doesn't mean that, we would not want to socialize, but what challenges do you have as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as, as even, we'll even say a mother and a, and, and a wife and, and someone who is running a company, a big company that puts on large events what are some of the things that are challenging? I'll just maybe say challenging between your faith and maybe the practical application of what you're doing in your business. Does that, does that question make sense? Is that something you can answer? Yes, uh, it makes sense. And I'll answer it. But if I don't mind answering it the way that you hope, please do. No worries. You go, you go. <laughs> no, there is no wrong answer here. Okay. So, um, how, I guess I, I need to take a step back, my usual words, I'm going to take a step back for a minute to get to where I am now. Uh, when I worked for Bill, I loved what I did. 
And he, as some of us probably know on this call, sold the company uh, around 2011-ish. And none of us knew what it was going to turn into at the time. And I did not, I quickly, those of us that work there knew this something wasn't right. But I stuck it out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to continue doing the, the positive out of that is I could then work virtually. I didn't have to travel into the office every day. So I, I became very miserable. And a, a Christian who is miserable isn't a good combination because you were not supposed to be. And I just didn't know what to do. So I sometimes I'd come home crying and I'm like, we need to do something. My husband and I would be praying about it all the time. And I'm like, something has to change. And uh, another divine intervention, my husband says to me, Sherry, why don't you start your own event planning company? You know how to do it. You've been doing it for over 10 years. Why not start it now? You got the relationships. I've, you know, he's working full time at UPS. Why not do it? So I started it while I was still working for GKIC. And uh, lo and behold, my first client was Ryan Dice for their TNC 2012. Um, we also, this is something else, uh, that's interesting. We also wanted to have, we met late in life, right? And we also wanted to have children and we just weren't getting pregnant. So all of these things were happening and I would go to my doctor and she's like, it's stress, it's stress, it's stress. So we gave everything over to the Lord and we said, okay, we're just going to, we're going to dive right in and do it. And not only did I get a handful of clients I left GKSC after that super conference that year in 2012, and I just left and went out full-time on my own. But that same year, I became pregnant with our, with our first and only child. So it was a huge blessing. When you, as a Christian, stop trying to control your own life and you hand it over to the Lord, amazing things happen. I, my husband and I will sit back and we'll look back over the years and like, yep, his hand was in that. Yep, his hand was in that. He, he did it much, so much better than I could have ever thought. And the, the really cool and unique thing about that was every time I remember that, it makes things better. So I, I wanted to go back to that story because his hand has always been, if I allow him in my business, so every year, my business continued to grow. And because I was always transparent with who I am, I never had a problem. And I still, to this day, never had a problem to tell people, I'm sorry, please don't talk that way in front of me. You know, please don't use that language around me. And I'd be nice about it the first couple of times. And if I had to say it again for the third time, I'm like, seriously? <laughs> right? So people knew, and it, and in the beginning, some kind of laughed about it, like, well, I'm to the old Sherry, because I would cuss up a storm back in those days. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not appropriate. And so people knew when they were dealing with me, who they were really dealing with. They weren't just dealing with Sherry, but they were dealing with Sherry, who was a follower of Christ. And so the challenge that a lot of people have I think the good Lord didn't have it when it came to that. You know, if I was on a phone call with a potential client and we would talk and if they started using, most of the time they wouldn't even use the words, but sometimes they would use words and then they would get into understanding who I am and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they would apologize and I would kind of chuckle on my end and I'm like, well, I appreciate that. 
And then there was a couple of times where I'm talking to someone and I'm thinking, this is not an appropriate client for me. You know, their values don't match my values. What do I do? And so many people have that challenge as a business owner. And unfortunately, so many of them get faced with lawsuits and all kinds of things. In my case, thank the good Lord, he protects me because they wind up saying no without me having to be the one to say no. So I guess I would say the real challenge that I have had is keeping myself in check and remembering to always seek him. If I'm, you know, it, for, for years I was so busy, my business would grow and I was always consistently working and always traveling, always doing this to where my focus was off of him mm. and I could feel my life shift. And that's kind of where my family has ended in the last two, the last year or so of where our life together as a family shifted away from him. And now we're try to climb our way back to him and pray for forgiveness. That's good. You know, one of the things that we can do in this environment where we're running businesses, we're around people that are doing very well in business is we can start. This is the way I term it for me. I think you may have said this doing it on my own power, trying to do it on my own, create all that I can do on my own. I actually, there's a scripture that I read this morning that is, uh, gosh, it was from Matthew. I believe I don't even have the scripture reference, but it's from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And on Facebook, I just signed it Jesus because it was him speaking red letter. But that's what kept mm -hmm. rolling around as you were saying that. It's like, that's, that's one of our biggest challenges as believers. And listen, if people are listening in and they may go on, what are they talking about? We apologize. Actually, no, we don't apologize. We, we invite you to listen more because it is so liberating to be in a business environment. Even when some of us like myself, maybe you don't think this, we think we're smart, but yet we realize, you know what? I can't know everything. I can't do everything. I can't create all of this marketing, all of this work. Because if we look at the schedules, it's kind of almost impossible to get it all done. Mm -hmm. We need help, right? I need help. You need help. <laughs> Why Very not get true. the help of one that created us and that the one that he sent a son that went to the cross and rose from the dead. That's the kind of power I want. And I mm. think you're the same way. So you mentioned something. I, you know, I scroll through Facebook like everybody else from time to time and I stop on a picture and I go, wow, that is beautiful. And let me tell you, one of my favorite pictures are when you pop a picture up of your daughter and she is just the absolute cutest, I, you know, just so you know, I'm about to be a first time grandparent and it's going to be a little girl. So we're excited about that. That is coming up real soon. It may have already occurred by the time this, this, this podcast drops, but yes, we're getting excited about that. But tell me more about your daughter. I think there's more to that story than, yeah. than you brought up. But to me, it's probably, and, and I think it could be a blessing to some people because your story's got a lot of things that I know people listen in on. Number one, you, you, you came out of a marriage that wasn't, maybe ideal. It may not have been horrible, but you got another chance. Uh, you know, a lot of people in religious circles, they sometimes frown on divorce and they even frown. There's this whole thing going on now about women in ministry, which I don't get at all. 
I've read the scriptures often. So we're supposed to be loving people, but tell me about your daughter. Oh, I'd love to talk with her about her. So yes, the story behind my daughter, as I said, we, my husband and I met late in life uh, and we knew we wanted children and we, we knew because I was quickly approaching 40 that if we wanted to have a chance of a healthy pregnancy, we had to start fast. And that's why we started to get a little nervous there in the beginning of, our, of the first year of our marriage because I was quickly approaching it. And uh, so we found out that we were pregnant and during that time, the, the gift, I'll, I'll take another step back for a moment, the gift of having my own business when I did allowed me multiple opportunities to go spend time with my mom. Um, my mom had moved, I, my husband and I moved, um, we were in Maryland, and uh, we just, and again, I was living with my mom at the time, her and her sister decided to move to Delaware. And so... Um, I stayed at my mom's home and then from there we moved to Pennsylvania once we got engaged and, and such and got married. So it allowed me enough freedom to be able to go visit with my mom as often as I wanted, which was very, very uh, big because we found out the April before that my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer mm. uh, and I had lost my dad to lung cancer um, back in, uh, gosh, I want to say 2000 or 1999. I had lost my dad to lung cancer. And back in those days, treatment for lung cancer wasn't where it is these days and day and ages. And she saw how much he suffered. She's like, I'm not going through that. And I kept telling my mom, I said, you know what, mom, it's your decision. What's more important to me is your salvation. And I, before then, I, I wasn't all about preaching to my mom. I was, and I'm not that way anymore, really, with anyone. I, I'm more about testimony, share my testimony of what the Lord's done for me. And I would, I would talk with her about it and say, Mom, you've seen how the Lord's changed my life, how much peace I have, and how blessed our life is. And she's like, I know, I know. And um, I didn't know at the time where she stood. So uh, long story short, with that, um, she decided to fight it and she did really well there for a while, which was great because several months later we found out I was pregnant and she was so excited um, to be able to finally get a grandchild from, from her, from me. And uh, you know, so we're like, we're all praying for, for a healthy baby girl. And uh, it, when we found out the news, that day that it was going to be a girl, I called my mom up and I was bawling in tears and said, mom, it's going to be a girl. And she was so super excited and she was doing really, really well for, for a long time. And then we got the unfortunate news that um, it was, it hadn't gone completely away. She was, she, she knew it was never going to go away completely. And she's like, well, I want to try. And the doctor said, if it does come back more, brain, it will come to the brain first. So they talked her in to uh, radiation of the brain, which was the biggest mistake she could have ever done at the time. Um, so if anyone on listening to your call has ever gone through something like that, or has been with a loved one, it's, it's terrible to watch your loved one go through something like that. Uh, it just deteriorated her completely all the way through and she was never the same after it and made her very weak. So she couldn't fight anything. Um, so I just kept praying and praying, Lord, let her at least survive 
my daughter's birth. I want her to meet her granddaughter. And we were consistently praying. And I'm going to try not to get emotional about this, but my husband said to me, you know what, Sherry, sometimes the Lord will, will, I forget exact his word, exact words, and I know there's scripture on it, but the Lord will kill you to save you. Hmm. And he, he's, and he knew how hard it was for me to hear those words, but we were hoping that that was an opportunity for my mom to be saved because we, we knew her mom was in heaven. I knew my grandmother was uh, a follower of Christ and, and I just, I wanted desperately to be able to see my mom again. So we had everybody that we knew praying for my mom's salvation and let the Lord's will be done if she wasn't to survive. And I had my pastor. So at the time, Going into June, my daughter was supposed to be born the end of June, and I was, I mean, Pennsylvania to Delaware is a good two, two and a half hour drive, so I was at the point where I wasn't supposed to travel, so my doctor did all the work that they were supposed to do to make sure I was good and healthy, gave me all the paperwork, case I had to deliver, so we all went down and visited with my mom as often possible, and I said to her that last time I saw her, I said, Mom, can my pastor come and visit with you? And she said yes. So that very next day, my pastor and my husband went down uh, because I couldn't go anymore and uh, sat with her and talked with her and led her to the Lord. And um, my husband said, you could definitely tell it was true. Um, And we were so thankful for that gift because the very next day she went into what they, I don't know what the term is, but she just slept. So she, we kept telling her, we kept telling her, and kept, hang on, mom, Eliana's going to be here soon. Hang on, mom, Eliana's going to be here soon. And that, I believe, is that with the help of the Lord is what kept her alive. And so my uh, daughter was born on July 2nd, and uh, it was supposed to be natural birth, but it wound up becoming a C-section. And shortly after I gave birth, I woke up and said, I got to call and see how my mom's doing. When Eliana was born, my husband um, took a picture and called my aunt who was with her. And she said that my mom opened up her eyes and saw the picture of her granddaughter and heard her crying and told her that both of your girls are fine. Everybody's healthy. And there was a smile on her face. Um, and then when I called her shortly, like I woke up, I'm like, I gotta call my mom. And when I called my aunt picked up the phone and was in tears because my mom had just passed. Mm -hmm. So the story behind it all is, is of course I was so upset, you know, and I was just hoping she would hang on longer, even though she probably wouldn't be able to hold her granddaughter. But, um, you know, I'm in tears and the nurses are coming in and what's going on? Are you okay? What's wrong? And my husband had told them what had happened and they were like devastated. And, and I wasn't devastated. Of course I was sad. I was very, very sad. I am every day that my mom's not here, but knowing that she is in heaven with our heavenly father, not suffering, not hurting anymore. And one day we'll be reunited was the peace that only Christ could give. And It was just his gift to me was, was, I mean, you just can't, you just can't really understand how big that gift is that I know where my mom is. He delivered me a healthy, beautiful, funny, vibrant little girl that if I didn't have her, 
and I had to deal with my mom's death, I probably would be a different person. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just all these gifts wrapped up in one day. You know, yeah, it's the anniversary of my mom's death, but it's the anniversary of her birth, rebirth into heaven as the same day my, my daughter was born. Wow. That, um, you know, there's so much there. Thank you for sharing that, too, because I know a lot of people are going through, okay, there was a birth, there was a death, there was a entrance into heaven, which is a new birth. There's so much there, but I, I think it's a blessing, Sherry, just to have you be able to share that in the way that you did, not making light of anything like that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of gravity in death and birth, especially when someone had tried for so long. Mm-hmm but only someone who has a grounding in who they are spiritually, I believe can speak to it in the way you just did. And I I just, I want to say thank you for doing that. I believe it'll be a blessing to many people, but definitely someone listening to this that may have been faced with similar things. So thank you for that. You know, when we have conversations like this, it's hard to kind of circle back and now start talking business, but I do want to wrap up with a little bit of business. Um, because, you know, there's so many people that are believers, this is something we were talking about earlier, that, that they segment their lives. They go to church on Sunday, that's religious, and then they go to work on Monday, they might go bowling or golf or whatever on Saturdays, and it's very segmented. I believe one of the things that I'm hearing you say is that your life is, you're 24-7. And if I'm wrong, correct me, but you, 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 you're running your business, you're running your family with Kyle, you're, you're, you know, you're a woman of faith. And also you are still doing all that you can to share that love with other people. And I admire that. That's, that's awesome. So um, let me think about what I want. Ah, let me business back to business. Um <laughs> Unrelated, but related. I want to. I want to kind of ask you what's next for you and things like that. But if if someone were listening in and say, "Wow, this is someone that I would really like to engage with and at least ask questions and all," what are the type of people you like to work with? Just and I'm not talking about. We don't have to go into spiritual, but just is there an example of business or things like that 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 you really love embracing? That's a great question. Um, the people that I really enjoy working with are people who are looking for uh, the next thing, right? Uh, how I know they may not, they may come to me and they're not even sure an event is the right thing to do. Um, and they just know that something next has to happen. Um, and those are the kind of people that I love to work with. It's people who have goals in mind um, and some sort of vision because then that will overcome the obstacles that are going to come up during the conversation or during, okay, yes, we're going to do this. Now what's next? You're always going to have obstacles. So I, I love working with people who have that, you know, the term open-minded, yes, but it's, it's got to be more than that. Um, do I work with people who are not Christians? Yes, I do. As long <laughs> as they're people of great value because it's funny because my, my mother-in-law would say to me, 
because uh, my husband will say, are you sure that's the right person to work for you? I talk about a particular client, I won't name names, but a couple of years ago, I started working with these three men that were a group. Um, and they're like, are you sure? And they knew who I was. So they were very respectful when we had conversations and when I was at their events. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, Sherry, I didn't mean to say that. And they'd correct themselves. And my mother-in-law made a great point. She's like, Sherry, you're their light. Continue to be who you are because you may open their eyes to who Christ is. And, uh, and I just kept remembering that and, and thanking the Lord of putting me in that situation of being able to be that light for people. And I just kept reminding myself of that. And I always pray for my clients and for their event. And we were at uh, this particular group, one of their events, So uh, one of the shuttle buses that was taking people from the airport to the venue because it was far away had broken down. And he goes like, all right, Sherry, do your prayer magic. And I'm like, it's not magic. (laughs) Uh, I said, I will pray about it. So I went off into a corner and I immediately prayed and everything worked out. And he's like, you did it. I said, I didn't do it. All I did was the avenue. You know, I went to the avenue and Jesus did it for us. And the, the really cool thing about all of that is about a year, year and a half after the first time that we started working together, another former client of mine that, was, that are Christians was with them at another event and led them to Christ. Wow. And it, it, it just, it's amazing. I mean, people listening to your podcast right now may not think, well, what can I do? Or how can I do anything. It's not you. It's who you are through Christ that allows these things to happen. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's a really cool thing for you to stand back and watch him work. That is, yeah. And it's so cool. And you know, we're supposed to go into the world. I mean, we, we, you know, truthfully between you and I and everybody else listening, I'm not sure we should say that on a podcast, there are many times that I would rather hang out with a bunch of heathens than a bunch of churchy religious, you know, <laughs> whatever people, because <clears throat> I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm called to do that. And truthfully, <laughs> some of the meanest people you could ever get around are religious people. I won't, we won't get into that on this podcast, but maybe I will on another one, but there's some mean people that claim yeah. that they are followers of Christ or whatever. And you know what? I don't know that they're correct. The fruit doesn't show it. I think Mm -hmm. we're supposed to go in and shine that light and take our skills, our talents and work with people. And yes, if the Lord steers us away from certain things, yes, we're supposed to be able to hear that and know that and understand that and be protected. But you know what? We're supposed to go into the lion's den many times. And I'm not really saying people are lion's dens or anything like that, but (laughs) So, so I admire, you know, you are touching so many people, you're blessing so many people, you are creating environments and atmospheres with these events that I know it's anointed. I know that people, their souls are getting nourished in these places, even if there's not scripture being quoted, even if there's not things going on, because I know when I went in events like that, and I, and I still do, I still seek that out and go to things. I go to get my soul nourished. And I must yeah. admit, there are times when I walk into a church, and I know this is not popular with some folks listening. I don't get it like I get it when I go to an event like what you put on with some of the people mm-hmm. you mentioned. 
because right. they use entertainment, they use you know education, they use energy, they use lights and fog machines and stuff that are just really cool. So mm -hmm. anyway, I appreciate you. I appreciate all that you do. And, and I know we've gone long here. I always have this goal of time and I blow, blow by it every time. But um, how, can, how can people get in touch with you? We're going to include some things in the show notes, Sherry. And, and, mm -hmm. and I know that you consult with people if they have questions and, and if they want to get on your email list, probably. But if someone just wanted to reach out to you, how can they get in touch with you? The best way to reach out to me is uh, by email. So that would be sherry at slseventplanning.com, S-H-E-R-R-I-E uh, at slseventplanning.com. It's the best way to, to reach out to me. Um, I'm creating a bunch of new opportunities for people in 2020 um, to work in the areas of their business in regards to live events that I hadn't done before. Um, we as a family have been looking to the Lord for what's next so that I can continue to build this company. Uh, two years ago, he blessed us with the opportunity to re retire Kyle full-time from UPS so that he could be home full-time with our daughter uh, so that when I travel, he's with her. Uh, we're homeschooling her, and we want to continue living that blessed life. So we're, we've been seeking him out uh, daily to make sure we're heading in the right direction. Um, so we're lots of new opportunities behind me or papers on the wall so I can write out all of these goals and visions and get them going to help more people. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, we'll include that in the show notes and your website and, and your email address so that if anyone wants to uh, reach out to you. What's next for Sherry? You, you probably just shared it. Y'all are, are in, the, it sounds like something is being birthed to use a theme yeah. that we had throughout the, the podcast. Sounds like something's being birthed and, and that's exciting. It is. It's very exciting. It's for, for a long time. Um, I've just been one event after another, after another, after another, which is great because I can help people that way, mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough to really make this a sustainable company. And, you know, I, I get burnt out because it's all about me. So it's more about, okay, how can I help serve more people with greater value and uh, through connections of others that gave me some great advice. I came up with a new program. Uh, it's a customized strategy uh, playbook program that I can work one-on-one -on -one with someone to take their idea and start with A and take it to Z so that they walk away with a playbook in hand on what they want to do. I'm really super excited about this new program um, that I think is going to open up avenues and many different platforms uh, hopefully one day, as my husband says, this company can be turned over to my daughter. We can make it into an actual company with people and employees and such. Uh, and that will allow us to continue to be together as a family. Very exciting. Well, we look forward to hearing more about that. And uh, we'll again include the link so that it sounds like it could be by the time this drops, there may be something related to that. So that'll be very cool title of this podcast is Seek, Go, Create. There's a lot to that, but Sherry, is there one of those words that jumps out to you and why as we wrap up here? Oh, yeah. I would say definitely seek, because if you seek the Lord, He is going to help you create so that you can go and do what you need to do with your life. Uh, I, I just, I truly believe that's 
it's a great title because it's, you definitely need to seek him in order to go anywhere in life. Excellent. Sherry, thank you so much for sharing. This was, this had so much, so many layers that I thought we might get into, but I didn't know that we would get into it in the depth and I appreciate it. And I enjoy just reconnecting and I'm hopeful. And I know that the people listening in will agree with that. And uh, thank you so much for, for just being on here with us. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Sure. Well, thank you all for listening in. And as always, I ask you to, to share this episode, to rate it, give us comments, and I will look forward to speaking with you again on the next episode of the Seek, Go, Create podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seek, Go, Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new, We are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.